Well, good morning. Can you hear me well? It's always weird from this perspective. It just doesn't sound the same to me. But anyway, hey, uh, we're just going to get right into the Word, and uh, I will introduce our topic in just one minute. Um, but I wanted to start with Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. And I've got, I've got a lot of Scripture today. I'm sorry, I don't have like one passage, I guess, that we're just staying on. But uh, Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it says this. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities, in the unseen world, and this is the sentence I want to focus on today, but everything was created, say this with me, through him and for him, through him and for him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for oh, this opportunity to open your word, this opportunity to learn from, from what you have given us, God, the greatest gift that you have ever given us is your word. God, that we may understand it, that we may know it, that we may walk in it, so that we can experience everything that you have for us God, in this, in this day and age, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive it this morning so that we would, be, we would be different when we walk out the door this morning as we were when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. I actually accidentally skipped our uh, declaration, but I think my prayer would just cover that. Would you agree? So we usually declare that we're going to receive the word with an open heart, an open mind, a willingness to be more like Jesus. So that's good. All right. So as I was preparing this message, I just I had one one word that just kept coming to my mind, and that's our topic today. And it's it's the word purpose. Purpose. If you have a pulse, there is a purpose for your life. I feel like this is a really important topic in in the church, especially because if we don't know our purpose, how can we live our life to the fullest potential? How can we experience everything that God wants us to experience? How can we do everything that He wants us to do? How can we know what role we play in the bigger picture of what God is trying to do? Not to mention, but those of you that were in the growth track this morning, how many of you were in there this morning? The third step of our growth track is what? Discover your purpose. It's a really important step. Discover your purpose. And our vision here at the church is to bring people into a Christ-filled life. And if you don't know that, you need to write that down. That's everything that we do is to bring people into a Christ-filled life. And how that is accomplished is taught in our growth track. We want people to know God. We want people to find freedom in their lives. We want them to discover their purpose so that they can then make a difference. And uh, Mark Twain once said this famous quote. He said, the two most important days of your life are the day that you were born, does anybody know the rest of it? And the day that you discover why. The day that you were born and the day that you discover why. Because the day that you are born, you have life. You're, you're living, you're breathing, you're, you're eating, you're, you're sleeping, you're doing everything that a living person does. And the day that you discover why, you have purpose. You have an absolute purpose on your life. How many of you know this morning that we serve an intentional God? God creates things for a purpose. Everything he created is for a purpose. God is not random. God does not create things without a purpose. We just read everything was created through him and for him. So now, I want to be clear, this is not to be confused with the old Christian cliche that everything happens for a reason. 
That's not what I'm teaching this morning. But everything does, everything is created with a purpose. Everything does happen for a reason. Sometimes the reason is that we make stupid decisions. Agree? God is not behind our stupid decisions. That's why we call them stupid. Okay? So I'm not saying that everything happens for a reason, but God created everything with a purpose. And Proverbs 16.4 actually says this. It says, The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. You know, this giant, this giant ball that we woke up on this morning was, was no accident. It wasn't from an explosion. Amen. There is a designer. There is a creator behind it. The fact that the earth is the exact distance away from the sun that it needs to be so that we don't freeze or burn up is no accident. There is a purpose behind it. And so I want to encourage you this morning. There is a reason that you were born. There is a reason that you were born when you were born. There's a reason that you live where you live. There's a reason that you are who you are, that you are gifted the way that you are. And there is a reason that you're here this morning. There's a reason that you're at this church because we serve a God of purpose. And uh, while on some level, on some level, we're all kind of called to the same thing, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We call it the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of the nations, to teach people to obey God. This is what we're all called to. How many of you believe that we're also called to individual roles within that big picture? I believe that. How many of you believe that there is a calling on your life? There's a calling on my life. God, God's got something for me to do. He's got something that he wants me to do. And so I want to start with this question, and I want, I want you to be honest with me. Raise your hands this morning if this, if this describes you, but how many of you would be willing to admit that you, that you want more out of life? There's something, there's something on the inside of you that just says, is this it? There's, there's, there's something deeper that, that keeps you awake at night. And uh, I, I know I bit off a lot with this topic, and I, I fought with it all week long, for several weeks actually. But, but I believe that there are, there are so many Christians and non-Christians that we struggle with this. It keeps us awake at night. What? am I supposed to be doing? Is this it? God, is this, is this what you have for me? Is there more for me? I'm just, there's confusion. And uh, it, I, I think if we all sat down and asked each other this question, what's your purpose? I wonder how many of us would have an answer. And, th- and that, that's alarming to me. A lot of people, and I think it happens to a lot of people when they, you know, we call it a midlife crisis. That's, that's what we call it. But you get into the, in the middle age, you get into your 30s and your 40s, and, and, and we, start, we start getting confused about where we are. And so would it interest you this morning if I asked, this question, asked you a question in a different way that could possibly help you understand what God would have you do? Would that interest you? Okay, so I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this question down. You may not have an answer today, but hopefully by the end of this message, you'll start to see a clearer picture But you need an answer to this question. You need to figure out your answer to this question. And here's the question. What would you attempt for God if you knew that failure was impossible? Because I think so many times the things that hold us back from doing what God has called us to do, doing the thing that, that thing that's in you that just, that keeps you awake at night, that thing that you just keep dreaming about, I think the thing that keeps us from doing it most of the time is fear of failure. 
We don't want to step out and then it fall apart. We don't want to step out and, and, and be embarrassed by, by the result. So what would you attempt if you knew that failure was impossible? And I think if you can have an answer to that, that you're probably really close to what God made you to do. You're really close to your purpose. So that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to discuss today. But everybody just say that with me, purpose. Purpose. How can we identify our purpose? What on earth am I here for? It's a good question, right? Well, we're going to look at 1 Peter 4.10, and I'm going to read this scripture four times in four different ways. But the first way, we're just going to read it first. 1 Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. He's given each of you a gift. Use them well to serve one another. I want to share with you this morning three ways that you can find purpose in your life. And it all comes from this scripture. What is my purpose? Here's the first thing that we need to do. You need to discover your gift. Discover your gift. But Pastor Landon, I'm not gifted. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. We just read it, right? 1 Peter 4.10, again, here's the, here's the first emphasis. God has given, here we go, 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you. Again, how many, how many does that include? Everybody? God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Okay, so each of us has been gifted in a special way to contribute to the kingdom of God. Our gifts may look different, but we were not designed to just be spectators. Just this morning in church, you saw so many different gifts on display, different gifts. That's the beauty of it. We had people outside that can smile better than me. <laughs> opening doors and welcoming people and, and at the coffee bar and the guest services and we got people on sound and, and lights and slides and kids church. All these different gifts on display. The worship team. We need every one of those gifts in order for the body of Christ to do what it's supposed to do, right? We need the whole body working together in unity, every part working according to its purpose. For the will of God. For the body of Christ to be at its best, everyone's gift has to be on display. And I find this interesting. This is just free here, but I was, as I was studying this, I was studying Romans 12, talking about the body of Christ. You know, we're the body, the different gifts that, that God gave. And uh, right after the gift of teaching, it mentions the gift of encouragement. And I thought that uh, the gift of encouragement... It says if you are a gift, gifted to encourage each other, then encourage people. That's a, that's a valuable gift. No one has ever quit because they were over-encouraged. Amen? The gift of encouragement, it may not be a flashy gift. I, I, I'm up here with the microphone and the sermon and everything today, but I'll tell you what, I would not be up here without the gift of encouragement operating in this body. From Pastors Jerry and Don, from Brad and Renee Emmons, from Brother John over here, John White. Or Pastor Scott, who was actually the first person that just asked me to speak. But the gift of encouragement is a valuable gift. And uh, in some people's eyes, it's, it's not flashy, but in my eyes, I have needed it so many times in order to continue to do what I do. So you see how it works together. One person operating in their gift helps another operate in their gift, and they're different. And the whole body works together. 
So don't allow yourself this morning as we're talking about this, don't allow yourself to get caught up in, it just, in just admiring other people's gifts and forget that you yourself are gifted to make a difference. You have a role to play and your gift matters in the big picture. So how do we discover our gift? This is the first step, discover. How do we do it? First, I want you to look at your passions. What are you passionate about? And this, this is practical advice here, but what do you like to do? Are you into technology? Do you like playing music, teaching? Do you like working outside, fixing things, creating things, construction? What do you like to do? What are you passionate about? And be specific, because uh, I like to help people could fit in so many different categories, right? We're all supposed to help people. That's the scripture. It said, use your gifts to serve one another. We're all supposed to help people, but be specific, because a doctor and a pastor, I'm telling you, it's not the same job, but they both help people. And we need both. So be specific about what you're passionate about. And then second one, this is really important, look at the results. Does what you do actually work? This is where we need some, self, uh, some self-awareness. Are you good at it? Are you good at what you're passionate about? Do you have some natural talent and expertise? Because here's, here's let, me help, let me help you with this. When you start with passion and results, there's a whole lot of things that you can eliminate without even praying about it. Amen? Like I know from the, the, my inner core that I am not called to open a, an appliance repair store. I had a nightmare experience with that a couple years ago. My wife died laughing at me, but uh, I took the, took the whole dryer apart. I had no idea what I was looking for, what I was trying to do, and I was, I was so careful about keeping every piece so that I could put it back together, and I put it all back together just as hopefully this still works, and then I hit the button, it just goes, it didn't even spin after I was done with it, so I know that God didn't call me to do that, and I'm not saying that, that you can't improve upon something that you're passionate about. We can all improve upon it. We'll get to that here in a minute, but what I am saying is please don't be like the people on American Idol who think they're the next American Idol, and they can't even sing. You know what I'm saying? It makes for good TV, but you're never going to be the American idol. We just got to be self-aware. Be self-aware of your gifts. And lastly, this one may not make sense right away, but look at what's left. Look at what's left. I'll explain this. I read a quote that inspired this whole message, that, that sparked this whole idea. Um, and it was, from, it was from Michelangelo. I brought a picture of, a, of an angel, Cora, if we can get that up. This is, this is a sculpture that Michelangelo carved in 1495. Michelangelo the artist, not the Ninja Turtle. So, But what he said about this sculpture was just fascinating to me. He said this, he said, I saw an angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. So he had this huge, obviously it starts with a huge block of marble and he carves it. And here's another one that he said, I didn't bring a picture of David, you don't want to see that. It's art, it's a little bit, you know, but uh, he said, David was always there in the marble. I just cut away everything that was not David. And so what I want to share with you this morning, sometimes I think the key to discovering your gifting, discovering how God has wired you, is not asking God to reveal it to you or to give it to you. It's getting everything else out of the way so that what he put on the inside of you can shine. What he put on the inside of you will reveal itself. And what I've learned is that if you're ever going to step into your purpose, you're going to have to dig for it. 
Because that scripture, it said, God has given each of you a gift. You already have it. He's already given you the gift. You're just going to have to dig for it. God put it in you, and he's calling you to bring it out. And this is what it looks like scripturally. I, I, read, this, I read this scripture so many times, and I just saw it differently as I was preparing this message. But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So there is a race that God has set before you. There is something that he wants you to do, a, a walk that he wants you to walk. And you gotta strip off every weight that's slowing you down from that purpose that God put, on you, put in you. And here's how you do it, verse two. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Here's what I notice about this. I want you to see this. It says strip off every weight, especially the sin. Now, how many of you would agree? I hope we can all agree this morning that sin slows us down from what God calls us to do, amen? Sin's gonna get in the way. But listen to the way that it said. Strip off every weight, especially the sin. This indicates to me that there may be things in your life holding you back from what God called you to do that aren't even sin. They're just distractions. I'm talking about things like Netflix and video games and sleep. And get this one. This one hurts, but financial debt. How many of you right now, if God told you to move to West Africa and start an orphanage, could just pack up and move? Or do you have debts to pay? Sometimes we're not able to do exactly what God called us to do right when he called us to do it because we're imprisoned to financial debt. It's part of it. But a few years ago, as I got really serious about pressing in, God, who did you make me to be? What is that? I started pressing into the word of God, fixing my eyes on Jesus, as that said. Started working on my sinful behavior. Started working on my thinking and all these things. What happened, what I discovered was that the unnecessary things began to fall out of my life and purpose remained. I, I, you gotta know me, I, I'm a... I'm a huge baseball fan. I love sports. If you know me, you know I love sports. I, I still watch a lot of sports. It's kind of what I like to do to relax in my downtime. But I used to watch so many Cardinals baseball games that you probably wouldn't even want to be my friend if you knew. But, but about two and a half years ago, I pretty much quit watching Cardinals baseball for good. I, I, I maybe watch a, a game a week. I keep up with it, but but I don't have time to watch it as much as I used to, used to because I've got too many hours of my life filled with purpose. I've got kids walking around my house. I've got a wife. I've got a home. I've got a job where God is using me. I've got things to do. I can't just spend all my time watching Cardinals baseball. And the more I fixed my eyes on Jesus, the less it mattered. All those things begin to cut away. So I'm, I'm encouraging you that the more you press into who God is, the more you press into the word of God, you'll be like that statue. It was always there within you. It's just that the unnecessary stuff goes away and it begins to cut away. So you wanna learn what you were made for? You wanna know what your purpose is? You wanna discover how God has gifted you? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Press into who he is and I promise you, you'll begin to see it. You'll begin to see a clearer picture. So, those of you, some of you already know that. 
Some of you already know how you're gifted, know how you're wired, and you're wondering what to do next. Here's the second thing that we're going to do. We're going to develop, develop that gift. Develop the gift that God put on the inside of you. Here's our scripture again, 1 Peter 4.10 with a different emphasis. God has given each of you a gift. We already read that. From his great variety of spiritual gifts, here's what we're to do. Say this with me. Use them well. Use them well to serve one another. How many of you know that there's a lot of people in this world that want the benefit of a gift without the burden of development? Just give me one year of an NBA player's salary. I'll make it last, right? And we, you know, sometimes we whine and gripe about how much money they make, but I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to shoot. I don't want to do all the work that it took to get to that point. We want the burden of a gift without the, without the, or we want the benefit of the gift without the burden of development. But this scripture, it commands us to use our gifts well. We are commanded to improve on what God put in us. What God put in you is his gift to you. We've already talked about that. God gave you a gift, but what you do with that gift is your gift of worship back to him. It's like the parable of the talents, if you're familiar with that. God gives you something. He wants you to do something with it. It's his gift to you to use for his glory. What you do with it is your gift back to him. When you put work in, when you develop your gift, when you get better, when you put the time and effort in, it brings God glory. Do you know that? When you are operating at the fullest potential of what God created you to do, it brings him glory. It brings him honor. But Pastor Landon, come on. God, cares, God only cares about the heart. Really? Here we go. What do we call it? I just, this is interesting. But what do we call it when we don't bring our best effort? When we don't bring our best? When we don't develop in the best way that we can? One word for that is half-hearted. Half-hearted effort. Right? So if God only cares about our heart and we don't give him everything that we've got, we're only giving him half-heart. And that's not good enough. Can we see that? We're called to develop our gift. And here's what I want to help you with. There's two ways to develop your gift. God hit me with this hard about six months ago, and I've just been waiting on the opportunity to preach it. I, I, just, I know it's from the Lord, but there's two ways to develop your gift. One is really practical, and you probably already know what I'm going to say. And the second one I think is going to surprise you. But the first one is skills. Skills. Skill is important to God. God likes good stuff. Do you know how many verses in the Bible speak to, to doing things with skill, doing things well? So many that I, I can't share them all with you this morning. But I do want to share a few. There was one particular passage in the book of Exodus where there's like five chapters where God lays out the plans of the tabernacle. God's saying, this is what I want you to build and this is where I'm going to dwell. Here's the plans for the tabernacle. He gave details about the type of thread to use on the priest's clothing. The color of the thread. Every single detail, every single, five chapters of the Bible about this. And, and, and then in Exodus 31, this is what God says. I'm not going to read it, but two men, Bezalel and Oholiab, they were chosen by God to lead the construction of the tabernacle. You know why? This is what God said, because they are skilled craftsmen. 
because they are good at what they do, God picked them for his biggest project. Skill. Skill matters to God. There's another verse in 1 Samuel 16, 17. King Saul, the king of Israel, he's being tormented by an evil spirit. And some of his advisors said, let us get you a musician to play for you so that, you're, so that you can be soothed. And this is what King Saul says in verse 17. He said, find me someone who plays well. Find me someone who plays well and bring him to me. A fine musician. And you know what? It was actually David who was chosen to play for the king. And uh, I find this interesting. This fits right in with Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine, where it says, it says uh, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. David was chosen to serve the king because of his skill that he developed before he knew what he was called to do. That skill is important. Here's another one, 1 Chronicles 15. This is after David. He serves the king, and then he becomes the next king. And then David's doing his assignment. He's picking people out to play roles in the kingdom. And it says, Kenaniah, the head Levite, was chosen as the choir leader because of his skill. David chose Kenaniah because he was good at it. How many likes a good choir leader? You like to hear a good choir, don't you? Nobody wants to listen to a bad choir. Ken and I was chosen because of his skill. So how does, that, how does this relate to us? Each and every one of us, you know, we've got jobs, we've got different things that we do. We've got, you know, we're all over this, this community doing the different things that we do. Here's the way I want you to think about this. I'm going to read these, a couple of quotes to you. I want you to put yourself in this quote. But it, here's the first one. It says, The maid who sweeps her kitchen is doing the will of God as much as the monk who prays. Not because she may sing a Christian hymn as she sweeps, but because God loves clean floors. Get amen from somebody who likes clean floors, right? God loves clean floors. How about this one? The Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty, not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. God is interested in good craftsmanship. How many like a good pair of shoes? You don't like your shoes falling apart on you. Now here's the second one. So that one's, that one's really practical, really easy. You're probably expecting that. Here's the second way that we develop our gift and his character. Character. So yeah, we need to be good at it, but we need to develop our character to be ready for what God wants to do in us. And here's what it says, Ephesians 4.1. Paul says this, he says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Each and every one of you this morning, you have been called by God. It's time for all of us to lead a life worthy of our calling. Basically what I'm saying is, you've been called by God, or what Paul's saying is, is you've been called by God. It's time that we act like it. It's time that we start stepping into what God has called us to do. John Maxwell said this. He said, in terms of character, work on your weaknesses. In terms of gifting, work on your strengths. We just talked about a gift that God gave us. We need to develop that. We need to, we need to work where we're good, 
This means that like when I need someone to fix my dryer, I'm just going to hire somebody. (laughs) I'm not going to worry about it. That's not a character issue. It doesn't make me less of a man because I can't fix my dryer. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. That's not a character issue. It's just gifting. I'm just gifted differently, and that's okay. We need to determine the difference between a gift issue and a character issue. It's not robbing me of walking in my calling that I can't fix my dryer. In fact, it probably frees up a little bit more space to do so. Basically, what I'm saying is that if, if you get fired because you're unreliable and you don't show up to work on time, please don't say, well, I guess it wasn't God's will. That's a character issue. Character issues will hold you back from your calling. Poor work ethic, showing up late, poor study habits, not preparing the sermon that I was scheduled to preach, not being trustworthy or reliable. Those things will hold you back from where God wants you to be. Some of you, you're at the right job. You're in the right place. You're right where God wants you, but maybe you start, need to start showing up on time, putting a little bit more effort so that the favor of God can flow in your life. Amen? Okay. How about this one? Christians, and, and I got to preach this to myself sometimes. I'm guilty too. But Christians should be the hardest workers. Christians ought to be the most reliable workers in their workplace. Christians ought to be the most honest workers in their workplace. Christians ought to be the biggest blessings to their bosses of any of their employees. That's character. That's character. Okay, we need to move on. I need to shut up here. But some of that hurts, but it's true. Here's the last step to discovering your purpose, and it's surrender your gift. So we're going to discover what God made us to do. We're going to develop it. We're going to get better at it. We're going to get ourselves ready to do whatever he would have us to do. And then we're going to surrender our gift. Our scripture again, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. To serve one another. So you've discovered what you were put on this earth for. You've discovered why you were born. You've discovered what God wants to do through you. You have found yourself, as we say. So what do I do once I've found myself? I lose myself. I lose myself. Here's what the scripture says, Mark 8, 35. You've probably heard this before. This is the words of Jesus. This is where this message turns into, ties it into the gospel. Why is this so important? Because Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news or the sake of the gospel, you will save it. Did you know God created you with a purpose? We talked about that. There is something that he wants you to do. There's something that he's called you to do, but it's not your idea. Your purpose was not your idea. If if you try to take the gifts that God has given you and use them for your own glory and successes, you will lose your life because that gift belongs to God. But if you will give up what you can get out of life, your purposes, for the sake of Christ and the gospel, His purposes, using your gifts in any way that you can to help people come to know Jesus, to help bring people into a Christ-filled life, as our vision says, then you will find your life and you will find purpose and meaning every single day. And the Bible is so full of these uh, 
upside down values. I don't know what else I would call them, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. It seems like backwards thinking in our culture. The last shall be first. Jesus came from heaven not to serve or not to be served, but to serve. And if you want to find purpose, you need to surrender to God's purpose. In in order to save yourself, you must lose yourself. The meaning of your life is to bring God glory. If you write anything down from this message, that's what you need to know. Your purpose, you exist so that God can be glorified through what he created. That's why you're here. That's why you're here, to bring God glory. Simple answer, what's my purpose? It's to bring God glory. There may be a specific way that I do that, but that's the simple answer, to bring God glory. I want to tell you a story this morning. Let me get my guitar here. A long time ago, I was nine years old. I don't think I've ever told this story here before. I was nine years old, roughly, and uh, we were having a revival at my church up in Harrison. And there was a, a couple young men from Oklahoma that came over, and they were kind of part of the revival. And there was a young man named Eric Cross. I'll never forget him. But God laid it on his heart because of this one man's obedience. So many things have changed. So My life has changed. My whole family changed because of this one man's obedience. He came up to my dad, who was our worship leader, and he said, God laid it on my heart to give you this guitar. This guitar. It was this one. And you've seen me play it just about every week. But at that time, it piqued my brother's interest. He was about 13, and my dad did the wise thing and bought him a cheaper guitar and said, hey, I learned that. Maybe one day you'll get this one. (laughs) You know how it is. But uh, my brother started learning the guitar, and he started learning uh, all the things that there is to it. And my dad, he was kind of fooling around on this one, kind of like, well, God gave us a guitar. I don't really know why. I guess I should try to work on it a little bit. And so he was kind of messing around with it. And uh, in 2007... I'm 16 years old, and my dad's senior class, he's a choir director at Harrison High School, and his seniors, they put their money together, and they bought my dad a guitar, his own guitar. So my dad had a guitar, my brother got this one, and then I got the one that my brother had. Never once in my entire life did I ever walk up to my parents and say, you know, I think I'd be interested in learning how to play the guitar. Could I get a guitar? No, I was completely content playing the drums, doing what was just right in front of me. And God saw fit to just give me a guitar. I'm 16 years old and I just have a guitar, random. And I just start thinking to myself, well, I have one. I might as well learn how to play it. And so I just start learning. I never picked out a guitar. I didn't really want to play guitar. I just had one. And I just started learning. And uh, years later, I went to school here at Tech to be a music teacher, studying music, to be a teacher in the public schools. And around my senior year, I, I was just really struggling with that idea. Like, this, not, not, I wasn't struggling in school. I wasn't, it's just that something in me was saying, this is not it. 
This is just not it. And God starts speaking to me. God led me here. I didn't even come here on my own initiative. We tried to go to First Baptist Church. There wasn't a parking spot available that day. They had a massive crowd for no apparent reason. One day, we couldn't find a parking spot. And Jessica and I just said, well, I guess let's just go down here to First Assembly. And we started going to First Assembly, and we saw somebody that we knew came out here. Let's just follow them. Let's go to the refuge. Don't know where it is, never been there before. Knew one person or a few people that came here, and that was it. And we came out here, and God led me here. And here's what I'm telling you, the point of this story. I am not who I am today because of some career path I paved out for myself. And I would be the biggest fool to stand up here and try to take my own glory for what God so clearly did in my life. It was his purpose. It was his purpose. I have a guitar because God wanted me to have it. I'm here because God wanted me to be here. And when God gifts you and puts you in a place to make a difference, here's what I'm telling you. It is not your gift to see how far you can climb up the corporate ladder, how much money you can make, to see if you can get to the top. It is God's gift. It is God's gift. And when you have purpose, more money, bigger and better, more prestige is not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to be in the place where God can receive the most glory from you. Sometimes that means staying put when God is clearly using you. Sometimes it means staying faithful to the purpose that he put on the inside of you. Sometimes it means turning down that job offer that may offer you more money because you are surrendered to his purpose and not your own. Someone really close to me just recently did that. They got a random phone call out of the middle of nowhere, offering them a job offer that was a, a bigger place to work, more money, more prestige. It looks like absolutely the step that any, any sane person would take. And they prayed about it, and they talked to people about it. They came to the same conclusion. This is not God's timing. It's not right. Turned it down turned it down. I think some of us sometimes, we, we, we really need to dig deep. We need to ask God. Instead of, where can I go? How much more money can I make? How much can I do? How much can I do this? Where can, how can I get the promotion? We need to ask God, God, why do you have me here? What do you want me to do right now? What's right in front of me? And you surrender to his purpose. Because it wasn't even your idea. It was chosen before you were born to make a difference. For if you try to hang on to your life, what God gave you, and use it for your own glory, you will lose it. But if you will lose your life for his sake and for the sake of the gospel, you will find it. You will find it. You are here for a reason. You exist to bring glory to God. So I want to encourage you. Find out what God has put in your hands. Find out what God has put on the inside of you. Do some soul searching. Dig deep. Seek God's word. Say, God, what do you have for me? Do everything that you can then to develop what he's put on the inside of you. Because when you do that, you're simply preparing yourself for whatever God wants to do through you. You have opened yourself up 
to be used in a mighty way for his kingdom. Amen. And then when he shows you what it is, no matter what it is, you take the leap and you surrender. And you surrender to what he's had you, what he has you to do. Amen. I want to pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you're challenging us to do. God, you've got a true purpose. You've got something on the inside of each and every one of us that you want to use for your glory. God, I, I just speak against any confusion in here. Anybody that doesn't understand, like, that they're struggling with this idea, God, I pray that you begin to, to bring clarity into their situation so that they can understand. Why am I here? What would you have me do? Maybe there's somebody that's frustrated with where they are in life and they need a renewed vision of why they are where they are. They need purpose. God, I pray that you would show us this, this morning, God, that we were made by you and for you. God, we are not in control of our lives. We surrender to what you want to do through us. We completely give up. God, do through us what you would have us do. We will humble ourselves to your will so that you can be most glorified through us. And we give you praise and glory this morning in Jesus' name, amen.